What is going everybody? This is To The Curve and we're going to talk a little bit about the Da Vinci Code. Uh, we're going to read two different books, one being part of the Da Vinci Code and this other guy who's making a big effing deal about it. Now, you know the Da Vinci Code came out obviously um, some time ago and this guy, I don't know when this other book came out, but he's, uh, he's really hell-bent on proving... Dan Brown is false in everything and saying this or that and the other. But I mean, it was a movie, guy. Get on with it. So it's called The Da Vinci Mythverse of the Truth, the Gospel Truth. I think it's called. Let me get the exact. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Da Vinci Myth versus the Gospel Truth. Um, so when we get down to where he starts, it's all right. The Da Vinci Myth. Unless you have been living on Mars, you certainly have heard of the runaway bestseller, The Da Vinci Code. It has nominated, is it has dominated the New York Times bestseller list for more than 150 weeks, often in first place. This book has sold more than 40 million copies. Now comes a movie based on the book, almost guaranteed to be a blockbuster hit. This major motion picture, directed by Ron Howard and starring Tom Hanks, the Jimmy Stewart of our day, will no doubt get its message across to millions and millions of people who never read the book. This is a significant piece of work in our country. That is why it is important to address it. The second reason for addressing it is because it is extremely deceitful. For example, on the front cover of the book, it says The Da Vinci Code, a novel, but if you open the book and begin to read, you will see that the first word, all in capital letters and standing all by itself, is fact. Well now, is it fact or fiction? The first page says fact. All descriptions of artwork, architecture, documents, and secret rituals in this novel are accurate. I assure you, this is part of the book, I assure you that as you read it, you won't have a clue which is it, which it is, fact or fiction, because the author Dan Brown carefully mixes in facts with errors. However, he weaves these in with fictional story that does draw you into, and in the process of doing this, he is promoting a pagan religion. Broadside attack in novel form. Now, before we go any further, I want to switch over. Let me get my menu button here. Let me switch over to the book. It says fact, colon, space, and a drop down. And then it tells the facts. The priority of Sion, a European society founded in 1099, is a real organization. In 1975, Paris Bibliothèque Nationale discovered parchments known as Les Dossiers Secrets, identifying numerous members of the priority of Sion, including Sir Isaac Newton, Botticelli, Victor Hugo, Leonardo da Vinci, the Vatican prelature known as Opus Dei is a deeply devout Catholic sect that has been the topic of recent controversy due to reports of brainwashing, coercion, and a dangerous practice known as corporal mortification. Opus Dei has just completed construction of a $47 million world headquarters at 243 Lexington Avenue in New York City. All descriptions of artwork, architecture, documents, and secret rituals in this novel are accurate. That's what it says at the beginning of the book. So, here we are again, where uh, this gentleman says, um, uh, let's see, I assure you, you've not read it. 
uh, which is a fact, uh, won't have a clue what is fact or fiction. Where Dan Brown just plainly comes out and tells you exactly what exactly he finds as fact and not fiction. Uh, it goes on, broadside attack in novel form. It is indeed a broadside attack on the basic foundations of the Christian religion and Western civilization. But it is not promoted as such. It is promoted as a novel, as a murder mystery, which it certainly is. But then there are these so-called facts, which we are told right up front are all true. Uh, that is the first lie in the book. They are not all true. There are numerous things he portrays as, portrays as facts, which are not facts at all. Therefore, I think it would be well if we learned a little bit better what many of our fellow citizens uh, have or are going to be exposed to, because it already is making a lot of people question many of the things they, they have believed. Now, let me, let me stop right there. Me, as a person, we are all different. We are all different in our ways. Um, there are some people uh, that I'm friends with that will not read past the Bible. They will not. They will not um, go beyond what the Bible says or what it does. They won't. You know, the Bible is just as it was. That's how we got it. And that's how we received it. And that's how they're going to read it but there is so much more I think that came with the Bible and that were taken away you know and, and you know they say this is Jesus's word this is God's word everything in the Bible is supposed to be there but yet there was a you know what about the the non uh, what the non-canonical or the uh, they call it something but I, I don't remember I ain't got the I ain't got the right words in my head uh, but there are some books that were not included in the Bible that are in previous versions of the Bible. And I don't think, you know, I, I'd like to read those. I want to know why, you know, why would you not include these books in the Bible? The Apocrypha, that's what they're called. <laughs> but, like, the King James Version does not include those books, so. And I, those I want to read. I want to, I want to know why that... Uh, those books were not good enough for the Bible or stuff like that. But that's me. That's how I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He is my Lord and Savior. I believe that if I do good and I continue on my path to greatness, that I will go to heaven. Um, but that does not mean that I will like to watch a movie. That I can personally tell what is what is truth and what is false. Uh, if somebody cannot tell the difference between uh, a movie and real life, then I don't think they should be watching a movie. Um, doesn't really see where did I leave off at. I have talked to a see, yeah, yeah. I talked to a couple of Christian ladies recently, and they told me the book was wonderful, and they didn't see anything wrong with it at all. You see, therein lies the problem. Given the abys abysmal understanding of the average American today of history add to their lack of understanding of theology and their limited biblical knowledge. Mix all of that up with many factual errors and combine it in an entire fictional novel. 
the result is that you won't have a clue whether what you are reading is fact or fiction. You should know what is fact or fiction. Jesus and God, well, God, sorry, I'm wrong person, sorry, Lord. Uh, God, you know, he put this stuff in our essence. We know what is right is what is right and what is wrong. We know and the, uh, I mean, Oh, excuse me. Uh, anything is possible. Could Jesus Jesus have had a girlfriend? Uh, yeah, he could have. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. We read from the Bibles. Any Bible, if you start at the very beginning of the Septuagint, the Hebrew Bible, that was you know one of the very first Bibles, and it was translated to you know all these different different versions of the Bible. And each time you read. The, like the Latin Vulgate and all the way down they translate to the same thing and never have they said anything about Jesus having a girlfriend uh, Mary Magdalene or whatnot. so he goes on to say given the abysmal understanding of the average American today of history add to their lack of understanding of theology and their limited biblical knowledge mix all that up with the many factual errors and combine it an entire fictional novel. The result is that you won't have a clue whether what you're reading is fact or fiction. Since it sets out to demolish the basic foundation of Christianity, it becomes an extremely important matter for us. Uh, it doesn't really attack any of the foundations of the faith, some Christians told me. Well, in this book, you have sort of a hero who is going along trying to solve the mystery. The book opens up with a murder and then some promise of the revelation of something incredible. The next whole the whole next 454 pages of some sometimes tedious reading is an effort to find the solution to all that. This draws you into the plot, into the quest for the truth. But in doing that, you are fed a great many lies. In addition to the hero Robert Langdon, there is Dr. Leah Teeving a renowned historian, highly esteemed in the professional field of history. However, when you read what he has to say, as someone commented, commented, he would be pulled over by the history police and remanded to History 101 because much of what he says would be recognized as nonsense by any high school student that ever studied history at all. Now, mind you, the guy writing this book is a doctor. So, why, why is a doctor making a big deal about a fictional book? Uh, and trudging somebody else. You're just giving the guy more credit and people are going to take the time to go read. Maybe that's what it is. You're working with him. For example, he talks about the Dead Sea Scrolls, which he claims were found in the 1950s. Now, would you know whether that is true or not? I hope so. A significant discovery of the 20th century. They were found in 1947. 47, 1950s. What the hell? It's close. In the book, his character states... Uh, as fact that they include many Gospels. Okay, let's see. I wonder what all those Gospels were. Actually, the fact is that there weren't any Gospels in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those documents were completely Jewish. However, Brown presents these things and they come out of the mouth of Dr. Teebing, an alleged accomplished historian. One historian remarked, the history he recites would give the whole profession a bad name. But he is used to undercutting the truths of the Bible. 
The book is also portrayed as a quest for the Holy Grail. And so you go through the whole book trying to find out what the Holy Grail is and where it is. It tells us that when they find the Holy Grail, they're going to find manuscripts which will destroy Christianity as we know it. Now that makes it now that makes it I think particularly significant since it is it, it it really is a broadside against the very foundations of Western civilization and Christianity. It is indeed very deceitful. Again, the book places most of these startling historical revelations in the mouth of a historian named Lee Teabing. Mind you, not a real person who is being dragged along all through this long quest for the answer to these riddles. Many people like a murder mystery, but in one, but in this one, they don't realize that as they are drawn into the plot and carried along with the mystery, they are also having their faith in Christianity and the Bible and Christ and Western civilization demolished in the process. Therefore, it is a very dangerous book, and the movie will be even more so. So apparently this book came out before the movie. It is destructive to the scriptures, it is destructive to the church, and it is destructive to the deity of Christ. And you know, he came out with more books. I wonder what this guy says uh, now that it's produced more books. It is indeed a totally foreign pagan religion that is being very subtly, 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 I can't say the word, introduced through the, this particular book. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you how it comes out. I hate it when someone does that to me because when someone tells me who won the Super Bowl, I don't want to watch it. I'm hoping to have a similar effect here. <clears throat> As I said, it's a quest for the Holy Grail, but I will reserve the revelation of the end for a little longer. The church hid the truth? Question mark. What Dan Brown says essentially is that there is a great plot, a conspiracy by the Catholic Church and by the church as a whole, even involving the apostles. In this conspiracy, the great truth that Jesus had to tell the world is suppressed and the real truth about Christianity is what is contained in these manuscripts, which is totally different from anything you have ever thought or imagined. Do I have your attention? So does the author, and that is what makes it so deceitful. It bases its concept upon discoveries of some other Gospels, the Gnostic Gospels. Oh, I can't say that either. G-N-O-S-T-I-C, the Gnostic. Gnostic Gospels. They have been known for a long time, and they originated in the late 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries. Gnosticism was an anti-Christian hearsay, one of the early ones, and the Gnostics wrote a number of Gospels that are pseudo-Gospels, such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and other pseudo-Gospels, spurious Gospels. Why do we say they are pseudo-Gospels? First of all, they were not written by Thomas, Philip, or Mary Magdalene, or any of, any of the other people whose names they bear. How do we know that? Philip couldn't have written his Gospels unless he lived to be 250 years old or more. And so with the other writers, they are all 2nd, 3rd, and 4th century false pseudo-Gospels. Let me say, let me stop right here. 250 years old. Things, times were different back then. Moses, how long did Moses live? Adam and Eve, how long did they live? 
You know, people lived that long back in the day because they didn't, you know, they didn't have all the chemicals and all the crap that we did. And that's just what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that people lived, you know, long lives. So that argument is irrelevant. Uh, they have been thoroughly researched and examined and shown to be written several centuries after the original Gospels. Dan Brown says that there were 80 different Gospels and the church suppressed most of them and only kept four. 75 from what I've read. Uh, there are 75 suppressed books of the Bible. The not maybe not the Gnostic but the Apocrypha. To begin with, let's get the facts straight on this. There were only four Gospels, that is true, in the first century. Only four Gospels by those who were contemporary with Jesus, by those who knew him or knew the facts intimately. And firsthand, Matthew and John wrote their Gospels as eyewitnesses from the beginning of church history. It was been widely held that Mark wrote his Gospel based on the memory of Peter. Luke tells us that as an historian, he carefully went back to investigate the sources. You can tell, for example, that he interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, because there is more about her in his gospel than anywhere else in the Bible. All of the other so-called gospels, the one whose Dan Brown case supposedly rests, were second, third, and fourth century productions, which claimed to be written by Philip the deacon or Thomas the apostle or someone like that. This is not possible because of their late dates. So they are fraudulently spurious, Gnostic, heretical gospels. They're books that should be read. I believe that. Whether people base them in truth or not, that's for them. Dan Brown takes these spurious gospels and there were about five of them, depending on how you count them, and claims that they were really the original teachings of the church, and then later later came along and put authentic Gospels on top of those and wiped out the Gnostic Gospels. There is just absolutely no way, factually, that this could be true, because we have quotes from those authentic Gospels that go back to the first quarter of the second century, numerous church historians and theo theo theolo theologians wrote, quote, the four Gospels, but not the Gnostic Gospels. Gnostic Beliefs One of the key aspects of Gnosticism is the view that matter is evil, and it was created by an evil deity, the Demiurge, the, the Demiurge. Gnostic scholar Rolf van den Broek writes, The Gnostic view of the world is anti-cosmic. The material world was only devised to be the prison to be the prison of the soul. Um, it is characterized by an absolutely negative view of the visible world and its creator and the assumption of a divine spark in man, his inner self, which had become enclosed within the material body as a result of the tragic event in the precosmic world from which it can only it only can escape to its divine origin by means of the saving gnosis one of the church fathers 
Epiphanius, bishop of Cyprus, tells what happened when he came across some Gnostic believers in Egypt uh, about the same time the Nag Hammadi library was being collected. For I happened on this sect myself, beloved, and was actually taught these things in person out of the mouths of practicing Gnostics. Not only did women under his delusion offer me this line of talk, the divulge and divulge this sort of thing to me, with impudent boldness, moreover, they tried to seduce me themselves. But the merciful God rescued me from the wickedness, and thus, after reading them, after reading them and their books, understanding their true intent, and not being carried away with them after escaping without taking the bait, I lost no time reporting them to the bishops there and finding out which ones were hidden in the church. Thus they were expelled from the city, about 80 persons, and the city was declared of their tear-like tear thorny growth. We can find other references from the church fathers refuting some of the Gnostic writings. They include Justin Martyr, Tertullian, and Arrhenius, Ar Ar Arrhenius. Arrhenius, 1302, or one. 130 to 202 AD, the Bishop of Lyons wrote against heresies to refute Gnostic beliefs and other heterodox opinions. He said, The argument of those who maintain that this world surrounding us was made by an angel or by any other kind of power or by, any, by another god has no basis at all. For once a person is driven away from the creator of all things and concedes that the world in which we live was made by another or through another, he has to fall into many absurd contradictory notions. There is a great irony here. Dan Brown and other moderns who exalt the Gnostic Christians over the Orthodox ones are buying into a worldview that, that denigrates the creation. If matter is evil, then sex is evil. The Gnostic document, the Gospel of Philip, 250 A.D., says of Abraham, He circumcised the flesh of the foreskin, teaching us that it is proper to destroy the flesh. Now, presumably, Dan Brown would reject the notion that sex or matter is evil, but his basis for rejection, rejecting the Jesus of the four Gospels is because of the Gnostic Gospels. Meanwhile, the Orthodox Gospels declare that God, in Christ, visited our world and the world became flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14. At the beginning of creation, God said over and over it, that it was good. Genesis 1. In a sense, Dan Brown is picking and choosing what he knows from Gnosticism. Furthermore, some of the Gnostics were sexual libertines, others were ascetics. Yeah. The Reliability of Biblical Gospels Talking about the first Gospels in the first century, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, author of The Da Vinci Deception, notes that eyewitnesses were still around when the New Testament was being written. If there was something wrong with it, it could have been challenged. For example, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, even said, in effect, If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, remember that he appeared to 500 people, many of whom are living until this day. Go check it out. This is not something that was written several hundred years later. 
these people who saw the risen Christ were, were still alive. Therefore, what you have in the New Testament is a dogged in, insistence on facts, on reality, on history, on evidence. And the Da Vinci Code is based on anything other than that. The reason for the title is the hypothesis that Leonardo da Vinci was in on the secret and placed clues in his art. The Da Vinci Code that pointed to the truth for those who had open eyes, I know of no evidence that da Vinci was a believer in Gnosticism per se, or Dan Brown's goddess-worshipping version of Gnosticism. But even if he were, and even if he did put clues in his art, which no reputable Oh shit, I messed it up. I was zoomed in and now it just like zoomed out. Uh and also because I lost it. I lost I gotta catch up. Uh he appeared five hundred people in it which was in on the secret. I know Okay, see, but even if even if he were, even if he did put clues in his art which no reputable art critic historian that I know of believes. So what? Leonardo lived some 14 or 15 centuries after Jesus walked this earth. The Gnostic Gospels are so fraudulent that if the Christian faith were based on anything so late and so flimsy, it would have been laughed out of existence years ago. For example, the Gospel of Thomas, one of the favorites we find being dredged up today, has Jesus saying things like this. I myself shall lead her in order to make her a male, and then she will be worthy to enter into your company. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Thomas 1, uh, 114. It is a funny thing, funny thing. Lots of feminists like to use that gospel, but very selectively not wanting people to know that it absolutely blasts out of the water all from this idea. That, of course, they could not possibly take. I guess we could call them cafeteria agnostics. So even Dan Brown's own sources don't lead to the conclusion he was seeking. The Da Vinci Code is a blatant, is a blatant though subtle broadside attack on the Bible. There is the hero, Ennis, Ennis, and a historian and a young lady, an ingenuine, a very young and wide-eyed innocent girl who is being introduced into this heretical religion. All of these heresies are placed in the mouth of a professional, notable, highly respected historian character named Leah, Leah Teeving, the one about whom I said would have flunked History 101. For example, he finally gets around to giving her the truth about the Bible saying the Bible did not arrive by facts from heaven we didn't know that did we how many of you thought that the Bible came to us by facts from heaven but this is a great revelation to this dear young innocent girl this Bible the Bible is a product of man my dear not of God because because she had said I beg your pardon I had some Christians talk to me about this book recently, and they said, Oh, it doesn't deny anything. Christian, really? How about that? The Bible is not of God. It is of man, 
the Bible did not fall magically from the clouds, really. Gee, I thought I saw that book fall just the other day when it rained. Must have been mistaken. Man created it as a historical record of tumulus times, and it has evolved through countless translations, editions, and revisions. History has never had a definitive version of the book. Here is another of the old saws that is used. That the Bible was first of all written in Hebrew, then in, then in Greek, Aramaic, Latin, Syriac, French, and finally in English. And that is how we have the Bible. We really don't know what it actually said because you know if you tell someone something and they tell someone else and they tell someone else, it's it's like playing the, the game uh, operator. You stand in line. You got a bunch of kids in the line. One person starts the thing. Uh, a tall lady played with a fox. And by the time you got at the end of, end of the line, it was uh, the tall guy put something in a box. You know, it's you take it and it changes as you go. Uh, by the time you get to the 10th person or so, you won't even recognize the message that you gave to the first person. That is very true, but totally irrelevant because we have the message in the original Greek text. I've read it almost every day for the last 45 years. I'd like to read this because I didn't know it was the first was in Greek. I thought it was the Septuagint, which is the Hebrew Bible. Um, I have read it almost every day for, for the last 45 years. And so do millions of others who know the Greek language. I don't rely on on what someone thinks that someone told them. That someone told them uh, that someone told them. Okay, hey. And it's just third or fourth or fifth or tenth hand whispered rumors. We even, we have the facts and the facts have been indeed substantiation. When I read the history of the Bible, when I go through and read the timeline, it does not say that the Greek is first. So this guy is already throwing some fiction down here in this book. Uh, the Da Vinci Code is the continued attack against the Bible and pushing forth of these Gnostic texts. Gnosticism is heresy. Gnosticism means knowledge. The word Gnosis in Greek means knowledge. However, this is a peculiar kind of knowledge. What kind of knowledge is it? It is the coming to the saving. It is coming to the saving knowledge. When you finally come to understand yourself that you are divine, if that doesn't remind you of something very prevalent in our day, you are not informed about what is going on in the religion religious world. That is a perfect description of the New Age religion, which of course is anything but Christian. It is totally fallacious. But that is the so-called knowledge of yourself that is one of the ways of getting to heaven. Denying the deity of Christ. Of course, the Da Vinci Code is also an attack upon Jesus Christ as well as the scriptures. For example, Teeving goes on to tell this young lady that Jesus Christ is just a man and that Christianity has said that he was God, but that was only decided by a vote at the council of Nicaea. Nicaea. This is the council that decided what books went in the Bible in 325 AD. Then Teeving says a relatively close vote at that. 
The church did not believe in the deity of Christ until three centuries after he lived and died, and that by a very narrow vote. Now it is true that the Council of Nicaea, they voted on a number of aspects of Christianity. One of them had to do with the nature of Christ, Jesus Christ, because there were a group of heretics, yes, the Arians, another group called the Arians, from the Alexandrian theologian named Arius, who denied the deity of Christ. This view was having some impact upon a few people in the church. Therefore, it, would de it was determined that they should act upon this matter. There were 318 bishops there at the time, and when they had discussed the deity of Christ at some length, they voted. They wanted to have it determined solidly that this, this is what the church believed. According to the author, it just barely passed. Let's look at another factual error. Of those 318, only two did not sign. The statement that they believed the Nicene Creed, which states that Jesus is God, from God, that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one, being with the Father, that he is the divine and eternal Son of God. Two. Now this is really a very close vote. Only two voted against the Nicene Council. Gee, we may have to re-vote on that. Check the hanging chads. This is just another blatant falsehood used in trying to deny the deity of Christ. Now, first of all, Lee Teabing was atheist. That's why he went against Christ. If you read it, if you read the book, if you understand the book, it, it clearly being is an atheist. What does the scripture, the first century witness, say about these things? In the beginning was the world, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 1. And in the verse 14, and the word became flesh, this word that was God, this word that was God, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. When Thomas the skeptic saw the risen Christ, he fell on his knees and said, My Lord, my God. The strongest term in the Greek language to describe who Jesus Christ was. In Hebrews, the Father refers to the Son. He is talking about angels. To the angels, he said this. He said this. And to the angels, he said that. But to the Son, he says, Your throne. O God is forever and ever. When God the Father speaks to the Son, he calls him God. Therefore, the idea that the deity of Christ is something that was invented three centuries later is utterly unhistorical, unfactual, and unsupportable. The book is filled with errors like this. Let's take an example from secular history. In the early years of the second century, less than a hundred years after Christ, Pliny the Younger wrote to the Emperor Trajan. He explained that he had two Christian deaconesses tortured to extract information from them about the alleged dangerous sect. They confessed that they got up early Sunday morning and met as a group and worshipped Christ as a god and sang hymns to him. Keep in mind that this one of the many testimonials 
from secular history from the first and second centuries that showed that Christians believed Jesus was divine. This example predates Nicaea by more than 200 years. The Da Vinci Code is definitely a blast against the deity of Christ, but what is it teaching? I said earlier it is the quest for the Holy Grail. Do you know what the Holy Grail really is? It is a reference to the cup that Jesus passed around at the Last Supper. It was in front of him, and he passed it around to the disciples that night at the Last Supper before his crucifixion. That cup has always been known as the Holy Grail. Well, not according to our author here. When finally the quest is completed, the hero at last arrives at the place where the Holy Grail is. I let my daughter read that passage. I told her, honey, I want you to read the last paragraph on the last page of this 454 book, page book. And I am telling you right now what the outcome is. Here is the Holy Grail. Here is the outcome of the quest. Here is what the book is all about. So our hero says this. The quest for the Holy Grail is the quest to kneel before the bones of Mary Magdalene. My daughter exclaimed, What? To kneel before the bones of Mary Magdalene? A journey to pray at the feet of, an, of the outcast one? According to this book, Jesus is the first and ultimate feminist. According to this book, he was in love with Mary Magdalene. He married Mary, he married Mary Magdalene, and he had a daughter by Mary Magdalene. Furthermore, it is Jesus, the ultimate feminist, who wanted the church to be completely run by women, and he appointed the first woman to take over the church when he died. That was Mary Magdalene. Then these entire very bad apostles, bad apostles, the architects of the patriarchal, patriarchal church, wouldn't hear of it, and so she was cast out by them. Wait a minute. See if I have this right. Where did all those apostles come from? Who appointed them? With whom did they walk and sleep and eat for three and a half years? It was Jesus. It wasn't some other group. And these are people coming in trying to hijack his religion? The religion of the defied, defied feminine? No. They were his apostles that he appointed. And there isn't the slightest indication that Mary Magdalene was supposed to take over the church. Or that she was thrown out is totally without historical foundation. The Da Vinci Code would have us... Uh, there is another book, but they'll mention it in here. The Da Vinci Code would have us believe that originality, Christianity, believed in the sacred feminine, and that it was a goddess religion, as found in some pagan religions, until the wicked Catholic Church came along to suppress that truth. They even killed to suppress it, have killed in centuries past, and kill in the present day. Latin Vulgate will prove that to be honestly true. Another example just to bring all of the facts and distorted facts and supposed facts together to support his thesis, he says, even the first Olympics were all done to the honor and glory of Aphrodite. Whoops, did I miss something in my history? I thought we were done... I thought we were done to the honor and proclaimed honor to Zeus. Facts in history don't fit the picture. Brown wants to proclaim here. 
My friends, according to him, if you want to have the real knowledge of yourself that is going to bring you to salvation, you have to understand, it is, is it faith? Is it grace? Is it love? Is it communion? What is it? It's sex. And when a man has sex, it must be considered, even out of the wedlock, to be fornication or adultery or something unclean. It is the most spiritual experience because since God is a goddess, the woman represents this goddess. When you have this intimate relationship with a woman, you are as close as you are going to come to a relationship with God. If that is not blasphemy, I don't know what is. Well, yes, I do. In the Temple of Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies, where Jehovah resides over the Ark of the Covenant be between the cherubim, you find God, visibly seen in the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah was the glory of God as it manifested itself there in the Holy of Holies. But according to our author, Shekinah was a woman. She was the companion of Jehovah. And what was going on in the Holy of Holies was sex between Jehovah and the Shekinah. You could go in on special occasions and watch and partake. Uh, and this is the highest form of spirituality. There it is, stripped naked, the Da Vinci Code, as I said before, given the abysmal ignorance of religion, history, and the Bible in our country today, we need to pray that, that many people might have their eyes opened. If someone asks you what you think about it, you might be better able you might be better able now to answer. The Da Vinci Code is saying that sex is divine. We experience God in the act. Certainly, God created sex. God created all those pleasurable feelings. When a man and a woman are together in matrimony, that is even a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. What the Bible says about sex is very different than Libertine View Dan Brown is presenting. Somebody must have edited out the Song of Solomon from Dan Brown's Bible. Very dirty book. I trust that out of all of this, God, who is able to turn all things to our good, will live, will use it to give opportunities for us, share the true gospel of the true Savior, who gave his life and shed his blood, that we, may, we might be forgiven and redeemed and saved by his grace through faith. God has been pleased to make the wisdom of this world foolishness, because of the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men. And through the preaching of the cross, we can come to know God and have the true Gnosis or knowledge of the living God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the rest of this book, we want to explore many errors of the Da Vinci Code. So let's go down. Uh, the errors in the Da Vinci Code. Um, by the way, this is uh, curving the bullet with uh, To the Curve. We're reading this book. Uh, all right. The Da Vinci Code is a novel, but it claims to be based on facts. Dr. Paul Mayer makes a great point. What if you had a novel allegedly set with a World War II backdrop? Only in this novel, Germany won the war. Uh, there's a TV show based on that. That doesn't work because that is not what happened. It is okay for a novelist to create a fictional story and even a fictional setting if he wishes. What you can't do with empathy... Impuity is create a fictional foreground and fictional background and ladder on which you claim is based on facts. He did not claim it to be fact. 
we read at the beginning of the Da Vinci Code, and it did not say any of that. That is precisely what Dan Brown was done, has done. His fact is just as much fiction as his fiction. We are all entitled to our own opinions, but we are not entitled to our own facts. Upon examination, the Da Vinci Code is chock full of errors. Some are unimportant, others, if true, would spell the end of Christianity. If they were true, by the way, we, we would be the first to abandon the faith. I don't think so, but whatever. We do not seek to perpetuate something which is untrue. We do not seek to worship the Jesus Christ who never really was. As Paul said, if Jesus were not raised from the dead, if his body did not come out of the tomb, then our faith is vain, and we are the most pitied of all men. 1 Corinthians Instead, the Christian's faith rests on how very secure foundation. How firm? So firm that the apostles, the one Jesus picked, should send out into all the world, seal their testimony with their own blood. All but John and Judas the traitor died a martyr's death. Historian Paul Mayer pointed out about the resurrection in our award-winning television show, Who is This Jesus? Myths do not make martyrs, and if this story has been invented, they would not have gone to death for it. If Peter had invented the, the account as he he's ready to be hoisted up on the cross in Rome, he would have blown the whistle and said, Hold it! I'll plea bargain with you. I'll tell you how we did it if I can come, with, come off with my life. Now let's get down to the what they say is real, what they say is not. Alright, errors in the book. Here are some of the many errors in the Da Vinci Code. The chief murderer in the novel is a monk from the Catholic group. Opus Dei, which looms large in the novel, was created in 1099 by the Knights Templar, who, whom the Catholic Church later tried to exterminate to keep buried the secret of which they had possession of the secret which can... Uh, could undermine the foundation of the church, the secret revealed in the Vinci Code. In the Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci painted Mary Magdalene as the one next to Jesus. One of the Browns' proof is that John looks so feminine. The New Testament is false testimony. <coughs> um, the doctrine that Jesus was divine was created by a pagan emperor in the 4th century, Constantine, for the purpose of power. Uh, Constantine created the Bible. Constantine was a pagan. The church destroyed the gospel that challenged the four canonical ones. There were 80 Gnostic gospels, 75. Not gospels, just apocrypha. There are thousands of documents besides the New Testament documents. The Gnostic Gospels uniformly teach the sacred feminine. Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene, and that Gnostic Gospel teach that. I, I, to say the I don't know, to argue the fact that Jesus couldn't be married, couldn't have kids, I mean, he was 30-some years old. Anything is possible. I'm not denying that fact. I mean, how do we, how do we get marriage? Five, uh, five million witches were murdered by the church because of the witches' hammer book. I never heard that one. Christian, I didn't even know that was in the Dan Brown book. 
Christianity was based on pagan religions, such as the mystery religions. Specifically, Dan Brown states nothing in Christianity is original. The pre-Christian god Mithras, called the son of God and the light of the world, was born on December 5th. The, you know, Zeke Geist, watch that. Apparently there was more than one. Refutation of these errors. Error. The chief murderer in the novel is a monk from the Catholic group Opus Dei. Rebuttal. Opus Dei, the work of God, a real organization, the last temptation of Christ, founded in 1928, has no monks. In fact, the idea, idea itself is contrary to their purposes, which is to energize Catholic lay people. Error. The Priory of Siam, which looms large in the novel, was created in 1099 by the Knights Templar, whom the Catholic Church tried to exterminate in order to keep the secret they had buried, the secret which could undermine the foundation of the Church, the secret revealed in the Da Vinci Code. Rebuttal. The Priory of Siam was created out of whole cloth in 1965 by a French anti-Semite con man, Pierre Plantard. In 1975, documents were found in the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris that allegedly proved the priority is, is as old as 1099 and that Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, and other luminaries secretly presided over it. These documents were proved to be fakes, Paul Mayer notes. In fact, one of Plantard's henchmen admitted to assisting, assisting him in the fabrication of these materials, including the genealogical tables and lists of the Priory's Grand Masters, all trumpeted, trumped, trumpeted as truths in the Da Vinci Code. Yet this is one of the pillars Brown rests his case on. Brown states on page one before getting into the novel. Let me ask you this. If you were trying to keep a secret, what would you do? The first thing you would do is write a book about it saying, this guy's lying. Fact. The Priority of Sion, a European secret society founded in 1099, is a real organization. In 1975, Paris Bibliothèque Nationale discovered parchments known as Les Dossiers Secrets, identifying... Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, known as Les Dossiers, secrets identifying numerous members of the Priority of Sion, including Sir Isaac Newton, Botticelli, Victor Hugo, and Leonardo da Vinci. Historians Paul Mayer makes a great point about the internet. He says if you go into any reputable library and look for information to look for information in print about the Priority of Sion, you will find virtually nothing. But if you check the internet, you find all sorts of dazzling websites, especially in the wake of the success of the Da Vinci Code. The Knights Templar, however, was a real organization that grew out of the Crusades. It was created in 1118, not 1099, and made up of Crusader monks who claimed allegiance and love to Jesus Christ. Dan Brown turns them into pagan worshippers of the goddess and of an idol, Baphomet. It is interesting that virtually every time Dan Brown deals with his historical figure, he corrupts the memories. That includes the Knights Templar, Constantine, Mary Magdalene, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, and above all, Jesus Christ. Except for Leonardo and Jesus, all the others worship Jesus Christ, and even Leonardo 
and even Leonardo accepted Christianity on his deathbed. You wouldn't know any of that from the Da Vinci Code. The Knights Templar grew so rich and powerful that it was eventually persecuted by King of France, Philip the Fair, with permission of the medieval church. Brown claims... Uh, Brown claims that the Knights found secret troves of documents under Solomon's Temple that would undermine the church. There is not a scintilla of evidence to support the claim. Um, the only documents he ever refers to the Gnostic Gospels, such as the Gospel of Philip or the Dead Sea Scrolls, which he apparently does not realize are pre-Christian Jewish documents only. Some critics even tear into the novel literature-wise because he introduces these alleged treasure troves of documents that never get revisited in the book. In The Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci allegedly painted Mary Magdalene as one, the one next to Jesus. Rebuttal. One of Dan Brown's proof is that John looked so feminine, but John is often portrayed in such a way in art because he was young. Go to any cathedral and look at the stained glass images of John, just as you can identify Peter because he is holding keys, and you can tell Andrew because he is holding a cross, like an X, the kind of which he was crucified. So you can tell John by his feminine looks, and often he is holding a chalice, sometimes with a dragon popping out. John often looks feminine. This was not unique to Leonardo, but suppose it were the case that Leonardo intentionally painted Mary Magdalene next to Jesus instead of John, because Jesus and Mary were allegedly married, and Leonardo was in on the secret, and then I have two observations. Where is the beloved disciple John? He is not in the picture. Where is he? Under the table? Dan Brown's contention, based on the 1982 bestseller with the heterodox message, Holy Grail, Holy Blood, is absurd. I love that book. I love that book so much. Holy Grail, Holy Blood. Love it. And even if it were true that Leonardo intended to encode these anti-church messages about the real Jesus, so what? Granted, he was a genius, but what did he know while painting some 1,500 years after Jesus Christ? Error. The New Testament is false testimony. Rebuttal. The New Testament was sealed with the apostles' blood. They put their money where their mouth is. The Greek word for witness is uh, as in an idea of witnessing to the truth about Jesus is martro, from whence we get the word martyr. Why? Because so many witnesses to Jesus. Example, the apostles were killed for testifying about what they themselves saw. Brown just glibly ignores this history and instead exalts the questionable writings of the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th century Gnostic Christians who were sexual libertines for the most part. Other Gnostics, Gnostics were strict legalists. We will deal with the reliability of the New Testament in an entire chapter. Error. The doctrine that Jesus was divine was created by a pagan emperor in the 4th century, Constantine, for the purpose of manipulation. It was all about power. Rebuttal. After the resurrection, Christians worshipped Jesus because he was divine. They called him Kyrios, the Greek word for Lord. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament that Jesus... And the apostles 
had translated roughly 150 BC, the word used for Yahweh is curious. For a Jew to say that a human was curious, he was absolutely forbidden. The idea that Jesus was claiming himself divine put him repeatedly at odds with the temple authorities. Jesus answered, I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many, many great miracles from the Father. From which of those, which of these do we do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of those, any of these, replied the Jews, but for the blasphemy, because you mere a man claim to be God. These words come from the first century document, the Gospel of John. Most scholars think it was written near the end of the first century. Some scholars think with good cause that is that it was written before A.D. 70, uh, when Jerusalem and its temple were destroyed. There was no mention of the cataclysmic events, an argument from silence. But more importantly, there is reference to things as if they were still there. For example, in John chapter 5, verse 2, it says, now there is there now there is in Jerusalem emphasis ours. How could this be if Jerusalem had already been devastated? Error. The vote of the Council of Nicaea, supposedly de determining that Jesus was divine. No one believed that prior to Nicaea. Rebuttal. That is errant nonsense. Again, in the Gospels written in the first century we see that Jesus was divine. That is why he was delivered up to be crucified. Uh, the Jews accused him of blasphemy, which is why the Jews arrested Jesus and had a trial among themselves. Again, the highest prank at priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the highest priest tore his clothes and said, What further do you need? What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Note that in Greek, when Jesus said, I am, I am, it's sympathetic. We could translate it, I am, which to his hearers, was a veiled reference to Exodus chapter 3 verse 13, 14 when God identifies himself to Moses as the great I am. Even Arius the heretic and catalyst from the Nicene Council is closer to the truth than Dan Brown. Arius believed that Jesus was a God, a, cre uh, a created being who then co-created the universe with the Father. But there was a time when he was not, declared Arius. To resolve the conflict between Arianism and Orthodox views, Constantine called the Council. Let's take a moment to look at the historical backdrop in the first three centuries of this existence. The church was struggling for its survival. Let's get on with the uh, true-false. It gets pretty deep, and I probably already bored a lot of people off of uh, what's going on. Alright, Constantine created the Bible. Rebuttal. Constantine had nothing to do with the canon of the New Testament. We will address the canon in further detail momentarily. Constantine was a pagan. Rebuttal. 
This is debatable. Only God knows the heart, but Constantine claimed to be a Christian. He gave freedom to the Christians for the first time in, in the 300 years of their existence. The fact that he was baptized on his deathbed, which Dan Brown says is because he was so old and feeble, he couldn't object, reflects historical ignorance. It, you know, it's the fact that he's going in so much detail and making such a big deal about this book. It's insane. Error. They destroyed the Gospels that challenged the four canonical ones. Rebuttal. Not true. The only destruction of scriptures related to Christianity, either biblical ones or extra-biblical ones, was done by Roman emperors in persecution. Example, the, dialect the Dialetian did that a couple years before Constantine took, Constantine took the throne. The, thing, the great thing about the New Testament is its degree of reliability. It is without question the best attested book of antiquity. When New Testament scholars are examining the New Testament, that what exactly are being what exactly are they working with? They are working with manuscripts which are of course handwritten copies of the original Greek text. The printing press wasn't invented until fourteen fifty six. Until then monks lavishly copied each biblical manuscript by hand. And then it goes on and on again. Still going. Alright. Uh, error. There are thousands of documents besides the New Testament documents. T-Bing states about Jesus. His life was recorded by thousands of followers across the land. Rebuttal. Try 52. At least that is the number of the Gnostic documents found at the Nag Hammadi in 1945. There are other Gnostic writings beyond the Nag Hammadi text, but no re reputable scholar would agree that there were thousands, or even hundreds, of such texts, nor were they written by eyewitnesses. Try reading some of the Gnostic texts sometimes. They are often full of gibberish. gibberish. For example, here is the portion of the Gospel of Philip, uh, 250 AD, Brown's only early source on the alleged union between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. The Lord went into the dye works of Levi. He took 72 different colors and threw them into the vat. He took them all out white, and he said, Even so has the Son of Man come as a dyer. Erwin Lutzer says the Gospel of Philip. Read the Gospel, and you will find it to be a rambling of a just disjointed work. Returning to the idea that Christ's life and words were recorded by thousands of followers, Dr. Gary Abramus points out that 90% of the population at the time in Israel was illiterate, and not all of those who were literate could write. Brown offers no evidence for these thousands of documents. Error. The Gnostic Gospels uniformly teach the sacred feminine that is just not true. Rebuttal. Unlike the four Gospels, Gnostic Gospels can be degrading to women. The Gospel of Thomas declares that a woman cannot be saved unless God first changes her into a man. The very last verse of Thomas 1.14. In the Gospel of Tom, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus brings positive changes to womanhood. He allowed women to follow him and to support his ministry. Above all, he allowed Mary Magdalene and her female companions to be, be the first to see him raised from the dead. 
Mary Magdalene in particular is the first eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. This is significant because it defies the norms. Dr. Sam Lamerson of Knox Theological Seminary observes, for instance, the women being the first ones who showed up at the tomb, women were not in that day and age. See, I mean, shouldn't that stand for something that Jesus went and seen Mary Magdalene? He, she was the first one to see him risen from the dead. Error. Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and the Gnostic Gospels teach that. Rebuttal. There is the flimsiest of evidence for that. There is one passage in the Gospel of Philip, 250 AD, that claims Jesus often kissed Mary Magdalene on her. Where he kissed her is obscure in the manuscript, which is Coptic translation, translated from the original Greek. Brown mistakenly identifies it as having been written in Aramaic. Oh yeah, you're gonna play music while I'm reading. You're gonna you're gonna play some Limp Biscuit. Nice dude. Um, the word could have been mouth, cheek, forehead, or whatever. Even liberal scholars Karen King of Harvard observes that this is referring to a holy kiss that is asexual, just like it says in the Bible. Greet one another with a holy kiss, Romans 16, 16. So even Dan Brown's source from antiquity don't make his case for him. Note that the scholar Dr. Gary Habermas, Dean of the, Philos dean of the Philosophy Department of, of Liberty University, says, I have no problem with Jesus being married, if that is what the early texts say. Today there are a lot of historical rev revisionist views. People say, what is revision? Let me use a sports illustration. Illustration: We talk about Monday morning quarterbacking and the idea that idea is that we will solve in the, we will solve in the barbershop on Monday morning what all of our favorite coaches, teams, and players should have done the day before. We rewrite the script, but that's not how the script happened. When I go back and watch the tape of the game, there are a lot of revisionist views out there. Jesus was married. Something else. If our earliest authoritative text tells us Jesus was married, I guess I'm going to have to say that too. I'm not going to go against the early data. The problem is not the problem is not where most men in Palestine in the first century married. That is not the issue. The issue is not, well, couldn't he have been married? Not the issue. Is it wrong to be married? Not the issue. The issue is what do the early sources say? We do not have an early source that says Jesus had a girlfriend, or Jesus had a fiancé, or Jesus was married. No sin in that whatsoever, but that is not what the data say. So when people come back and say, well, what if? What I think about that is, it, it's a what if. It's an undergrounded what if. It's just what they say it is. It's a what if. However, with the generation, too often, what ifs become facts. And the next thing we say is, wasn't Jesus married to Mary Magdalene? I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah, you, you heard it somewhere. You heard it over the coffee in the coffee shop on Monday morning. That is what Monday morning's quarterbacking is. 
I don't respect that kind of conclusion. It is done for scholarly reasons because there are no scholarly reasons for the accepting. It emphasizes emphasis mine. Anything is possible. Error. Five million witches were murdered by the church because of witches' hammer book. Rebuttal. First of all, even one alleged witch killed was one too many. But this number is grossly exaggerated. Paul Mayer says that more recently historians put the number somewhere between uh, 30 million, far less than 5 million. Uh, what? Error. Christianity was based on the pagan religions such as the mystery religions. Specifically, Dan Brown states nothing in Christianity is original. The pre-Christian god, Mithras, called the son of God. Oh, yeah, that's that. Rebuttal. Dan Brown is... Dan Brown has it exactly the opposite. The mystery religions more often borrowed from Christian themes, including the ones that Brown mentions. In ancient cultures, there was always the myth of the dying, resurrecting, resurrecting God. Essentially, winter and spring. However, these are are never alleged to have been real history. So, if you want to read about that, uh, or you want to learn about that, that's Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. It's a very, very good book. Or good, whatever. Alright, so I'm going to stop there because I'm sure a lot of people are bored out of their mind by now. But this is the word of the curve to the curve. And this is uh, Curving the Bullet, and I hope you've enjoyed my reading. And I would uh, read The Da Vinci Code and compare it to this book here. Uh, it's called The Da Vinci Myth versus the Gospel Truth. Thanks.